understanding and why we are feeling an atmosphere of worship and prayer, we need to pray two special prayer requests. Um, again, there are a lot of people that are sick, so we'll generally cover all of those people in Jesus' name that God will touch them. But we do need to pray for Brother Bo Hollingsworth, who is in the hospital. He has been struggling with valley fever for an entire year, and they have been uh, very, very careful. Sister Rachel told me it was very frustrating because they've not been to church. They've not done a whole lot. He's at high risk, and so they haven't done much of anything since all of this started, and he has... Uh, contracted COVID, and so he's in the hospital as we speak. He's on a ventilator. He's not breathing well. We need to pray that God would strengthen and bring healing to him in Jesus' name. Brother Kaufman, Elder Brother Kaufman, had a procedure, heart surgery. He is recovering from that, but we want God to strengthen him as well. So there's a lot to pray about. You may know of a situation or somebody. Amen. If you want to join together, let's join together right now and ask that God's ability would touch every need. Lord, we thank you and praise you. We agree together in the house of God today that you're a God that is found imminent, meaning you are in the midst of your people. Praise God. You're sovereign. You're above all things, but you're also at work in the midst of every situation, every person. So we pray that virtue would flow, that you would touch Brother Bo Hollingsworth. In Jesus' name, Brother Kaufman, all of our elders, amen. Touch those that are trying to recover, amen. In Jesus' name, Sister Evie and all of our elders, we pray that your hand and anointing would touch them. We know that you're a prayer-answering God, and we know that you put a hedge of protection around your people. We ask all of these things in your great and wonderful name, and everybody said amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord uh, today. I just want to say, as you open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter number 40, Isaiah chapter number 40, I want to say to all the musicians uh, from the very beginning of all of this, we've had to switch back and forth online service, this, that, uh, outside. Uh, they have they have given to us a level of excellence that is to be commended. Quality hasn't dropped off. They haven't, they haven't come in here with any kind of inclination that we're just going to do things spontaneously. But they have, they have done their due diligence. So whether you've been here in the sanctuary or maybe you had to watch online somewhere, amen, they have provided true worship. And I want to make sure I let them know I appreciate that very, very much. And we should let them know as well that we appreciate their faithfulness. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Brother John DeArmond has been working tirelessly uh, in the sanctuary, and he reimagined, along with some others, our music pit that allows us to see a little more not quite as obstructive, looks very, very nice. He did an excellent job with it. Amen. Uh, some of you that have OCD or slight OCD have worried about that back wall because it flares out a little bit, and so we tried to paint something on the wall for the projector back there, and it looked kind of wonky, and uh, he's not finished with it, but he's also doing that back there, so it's flat and he'll put a border around that and get that painted as well. So, amen. So for those of you that have been looking back, they're saying that just doesn't look right. And we're making it look right. Amen. And that's okay. Sometimes you get people driving on the property and they'll see this or that. We don't get offended at that. We want this place to be a place that is representative of God's goodness and greatness. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 31. This will be a passage of scripture that is, though familiar to you, it's very, very weighty, and it brings a lot of encouragement and strength today. Verse 31, it's part of a chapter. It's at the end of a chapter, and so this is the last statement regarding the entire chapter, and we will look at some of what is in the entire chapter. But for the sake of reading a text, Isaiah chapter 40 
and verse number 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Mm. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I want to speak to you for a few moments tonight or today. I'm used to preaching on Sunday night, so I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I want to speak to you for a few moments this morning on walk, run, fly. Walk, run, fly. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. We ask that you would help us through the reading of your word, be strengthened here today. We give to you thanks. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Um, I appreciate everybody that's helping out. Uh, some people that are supposed to be here can't be here. So uh, all of our ministry staff is laid out except me. And if they're not here, they're somewhere else. <laughs> they're, they're, they're traveling back from places. They, they're sick. And so uh, we'll just plug in. Brother James Doty's back there running the sound. So uh, we're just trying to, we're, make, we're making do. But we can make do in a fantastic fashion. Amen. Walk, run, fly. To understand this last verse of the chapter, we must take a look at the beginning and what leads up to uh, this verse that we have read here today. If you look, if you have your Bibles there, you can kind of follow along as I make a few statements regarding Isaiah chapter number 40. First of all, this is the prophet Isaiah, and he is writing in a time frame specifically to the children of Israel who have been carried off into captivity. And so he has a very prominent place in the history of the Old Testament. He says in chapter 40, verse number 1, that God has spoken to him, and this chapter is a word from the Lord. I just want to say right there at the outset, my, it really helps in dealing with some things if you know you got a word from the Lord. You cannot be dissuaded, you cannot be changed, you cannot be moved if you know that you have confidence that God is directing me in whatever I am doing. Have you ever felt that way? It's very apprehensive to walk in a situation where you know I'm doing this on my own. But when you know that the Lord is on your side, then it makes it a whole lot easier to deal with conflict and circumstances in life. You say, well, I want a word from the Lord. Sometimes God will speak to you directly and you will know that you've got a word. Or sometimes you will find something in the scripture that helps you. It becomes the word of the Lord that helps you maneuver through situations in life. And Isaiah, at the beginning, he said, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received the Lord's hand double for all her sins. They were in captivity in Babylon. 587 B.C., they were carried off into Babylonish captivity. And so this is referring to that. And God is speaking to them, saying, be of good cheer, be of comfort. You have received the punitive damages of your sins. There's always consequences to things that you do that are sinful. And looking at the entire children of Israel in captivity, God said, we've, we've reached the end of that. And he also includes in that a future promise. Verse number three, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert 
a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and his heel shall be made low. The crooked shall be made straight. The rough places plain. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord have spoken. You probably will remember this passage of scripture because it's John the Baptist that comes repeating this word from Isaiah. If you get yourself in a situation that feels like you are under the weight of condemnation know that there is a God that's not going to let you get away with your wrong but the same God if you make your path straight is the same God that will put a promise into your life that everything is going to be all right and I'm going to provide a better future for you God doesn't say that you've fallen in the mess and the quagmire you're just going to have to stay there for the rest of your life no he says get up from where you are because I've got a better future for you. I'm thankful that God didn't just leave me in my wrong, but he gave to me a promise. He gave to me a promise. And here he is telling the children of Israel, Isaiah, speaking the word of God. He is talking about the promise of God. The voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth. But the word of our God shall stand forever. This is God speaking emphatically with authority. If God prophesies something, the grass may wither, the flowers may fade, but the word of God is going to remain true. Nations may rise, nations may fall, but the word of God is going to be true. Difficulties may come, good times may be here, life has its ebbs and flows, but one thing we can be emphatic about is you can stand on the word of God. Hallelujah. You can trust in the word of God. Some things I'm not going to put my confidence in. Some things are not very uh, stable under my feet but the word of God becomes a strength to me hallelujah praise God you feel that way this morning do you feel that way wherever you may be there's a lot of shifting and sifting but I'm thankful that I can stand on the word of God and I can trust in him amen those passages there are passages that are reiterated the, the grass withereth the flower fades Amen. But the word of God shall stand. O Zion, bring glad tidings. Get thee up into the high mountain. Lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. <laughs> this is God speaking sovereign above politicians and authorities and governments and nations. They are but a drop in a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. God is a sovereign God. God is in control. No matter what's going on in life, no matter what's going on in our country, no matter what's going on in history, God's a sovereign God. His word declares that. So whatever is happening is happening for a purpose, and God is completely in control. Well, it doesn't feel like anything is in control. Your focus is not where it should be. <laughs> Praise God. Your focus is not where it should be. Put your focus in the hand of the one that is sovereign and your perspective changes. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. God has got all things in control. And God is at work. And so I'm going to put my confidence in God. I'm going to trust in him and not other things. Amen. Who will you liken him? What likeness will you compare unto him? He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He faints not, neither is he weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint. Everyone say faint. Mm. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. God doesn't get weary. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. And this is where we get to our passage of Scripture at the end that says, But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In this setting, in this circumstance, God is sovereign and God is going to be faithful. Amen. Youth is something that is strong and strength, but in the end, when all is said and done, the youth shall be faint and weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. This passage of Scripture goes back and describes the same God that helped the children of Israel on their way out of captivity back to Jerusalem, just like he led them out of Egypt to the promised land. God led them out of Egypt to the promised land, and he's able to take them from captivity back to Jerusalem. It's the same God. Exodus chapter 19 and verse number 4 helps us understand that dynamic because it says, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, how I bare you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. I led you out of Egypt with a mighty hand a mighty hand and a strong arm. I revealed myself to you in the 10 plagues. I spoke through my servant Moses and I said, I'm taking my people out of captivity and, and bondage of the Egyptians where their lives are made very difficult and their work with rigor. I'm going to lead you out. I'm the same God that led you across the Red Sea. I'm the same God that fought your battles for you. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall I shall arise because the Lord is on my side. I fought your battles. I made a way when it looked abysmal. I brought to you water out of a rock. I provided manna from heaven. I provided quail that fell from the sky. I put clothes on you that did not wear out. And if I am that God, I can also bring you out of captivity the same way. You forgot me. You left me. You failed me. But I'm going to lead you out of captivity just like I led you out of bondage. If you're in bondage, God can pull you out of bondage. If you're held captive, God can pull you out of captivity. Why? Because he's a sovereign God. Anybody hearing what I'm saying here in the house of God today, God is a God that can lead you from the hand of the enemy. And he can lead you out of captivity. And so the Isaiah, the prophet, he is saying it's the same God. It's the same God. When everybody else is going to get faint and weak, and you got to think now, that pilgrimage from Egypt into the promised land didn't happen overnight. And that pilgrimage that's going to be from Babylon back to Jerusalem is not going to happen overnight. We want things to happen just like that, and that's not the way it is. Does anybody think or know that life is not like that? Life, life is life. Hallelujah. This morning we had to get up and we had to say to our carnal nature and to our flesh I'm going to the house of God and there was a pushback against that well I don't feel good I don't know if I want to be there I'll just make it there tonight no you got up and you got here because you know life that's just life and there's some there's some things that we have to do on a daily basis in living for God things don't happen instantaneously they take time they take effort it's, sometimes it's difficult. And that pilgrimage from Babylon back to Jerusalem, th there's going to be a lot of ups and downs along the way. Just like from Egypt to the promised land, there were a lot of frustrations, a lot of difficulties. They didn't just go from Egypt straight into the promised land. As a matter of fact, they took a circuitous route from Egypt to the promised land. There was a shorter route straight from Egypt right into the promised land. And God didn't take them that way. Why? Why didn't he just take them straight to the promised land? Because he knew, I've got to build some character. I've got to build some development. There's got to be some spiritual fortitude that these people who have been slaves, enslaved, for many, many years in order to get them into the promised land with 
a different mentality, we're going to have to go the long route. It's going to be dry. It's going to be dusty. Circumstances are not going to be the best. Going to be some complaining and murmuring. But just know this, that I'm God and I'm taking you from one place to another place. And when we get to that place, it's going to be a promised land. When we get to that place, it's going to be a land that flows with milk and honey. Just trust in me. I'm going to take you there. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands and thank the Lord. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing with you. I'm going to take you there. And so the same, if that's the same God that bore you up with eagle's wings, it's going to be the same God that's going to carry you from Babylonian captivity back to Jerusalem. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. But, he said, but, but. <laughs> Praise God, I shouldn't do this, but I, I'm going to. <laughs> that just triggered something in my mind. That but triggered something in my mind. So Isaiah, he, 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 he chronicles all of these things, but then he says, but, but, they that wait upon the Lord. The young men are going to faint. It's going to be difficult. But those that wait upon the Lord, God's got something special there. And so that word uh, triggered into my mind just then something that a pastor up north by the name of Brother Rushing, he made two fatal errors in speaking. And it was noised abroad. It was noised abroad. It was the conversation at camp meetings and rallies for a number of years. He, uh, his first mistake, the second mistake was this but, and I'll, I'll get to that. But the first mistake was he was talking about Balaam's donkey. And he said, <laughs> uh, he said, the Lord spoke through Balaam's ass. And he was fine because a donkey is described as an ass in the scripture, in the Old Testament. But the way that it came out, it kind of caught him, and he recognized the shock look on people's faces, and so he tried to correct it. That's where he made his mistake, because he said, no, he said, no, he said, the Lord spoke through Balaam's donkey's ass. Well, now that's a big problem. <laughs> that, I mean... <laughs> I mean, some people are going to have a hard time thinking that a donkey's speaking, but when the donkey's speaking like that, I mean, it just goes. <laughs> uh, so Bishop happened to be telling that story around to other preachers when he didn't realize that Brother Rushing was standing right behind him. And so Brother Rushing slipped up there and he said, hey, he said, are you telling that story that I, that I, about Balaam's donkey? And, and Bishop said, well, is it true? He said, yes, it is. He said, it is true. And he said, and this week hasn't been much better. He said, I was preaching in the New Testament and I got to that word, but such were some of you. And I said, that but, he said, it's like a fine line between two points. <laughs> uh, oh, Lord. Praise God. He was on a roll. And Isaiah gets to this. Can we move on now? <laughs> Let's get back to the message here. Isaiah was saying, you look at all of this. And he said, at the end of it, he said, but they that wait upon the Lord. And there is something to be said about that conjunction because a lot of stuff could be said up to the point of but God who was rich in mercy. I was in failure and in sin and degradation but God, who was rich, everything changes when God's involved with something. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But because of God, God enters into the equation. And God enters into the equation right here. And he gives to us some amazing statements. He says, those that walk will not faint. It's going to be a long journey. And you're going to face an ordinary grind. And they that wait upon the Lord. What does that mean? Because this is how he starts it off. But they that wait upon the Lord. To wait upon the Lord means to eagerly wait. 
to eagerly expect, to hope, to look for God with expectation. I want to know this morning, did you come to the house of God looking for God with great expectation? Because that's what God desires. Amen. When you do, that's going to affect your worship, your prayer, and everything. Hallelujah. When you eagerly expect God's going to do something. In the midst of a storm, in the midst of difficulties, I know that God's going to do something. My confidence is there. I'm hanging on to that hope. It's a hope that maketh not a shame. I'm eagerly expecting God to work here. They that wait upon the Lord. That's what that means. They will walk and not faint. During the ordinary grind of everyday living, they're going to walk and not faint. I've heard interpretations that are rather cute that talk about waiting on the Lord. It's like serving the Lord, serving like people in a restaurant. They serve you, and we should serve God the same way. And in serving God, then we're going to be lifted up and... uh, And that's cute and what have you, but that's really not what this verse is saying. It's saying those that eagerly expect and hope and look for God... They're going to be renewed. My expectation when I come to the house of God is that I'm going to be renewed in my spirit. I don't want to come to the house of God and walk away not feeling encouraged, lifted up, strengthened. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. I, I want to feel his anointing. And my expectation is when I leave, I'm going to leave different than the way that I came. Something is going to be in the service for me. A song that is sung, a word that is exhorted, a word that is preached, a testimony. I'm going to leave encouraged because I expected the Lord to show up and I waited for him and my hope was in him. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Why don't you just lift up your hands and say, Lord, we're expecting you today to do great things in the house of God. You're bringing encouragement and strength, not only in this place, but wherever anybody may be today. Hallelujah. Let there be a hope that rises up within us, an expectation of believing that you're going to be a God that strengthens us. Man, I told you we're running thin. I don't know what happened to my PA, but we don't have any water here this morning. Can Brother Caden is a PA. Can you leave that back there just for a minute and bring me a little glass of water, please? Oh, he's got it. Never mind. He's got it. Go back over there and take care of what you're doing over there. <laughs> we're broadcasting and... Uh, uh, so we got to have an extra body back there, and he's taking care of that. <clears throat> Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Is God good to us or what? Anybody blessed here in the house of God today? Amen. In the ordinary grind of life, praise God, walk and not faint. Sometimes life seems like a walk. It's a walk. I'm on that road on that road back from captivity to Jerusalem. It's going to be a walk. You're walking across desert. And there're going to be times that you're walking and you're going to feel faint. That means you're going to feel weary. I don't know. I'll, I'll just be real honest with you here today. In the middle of all of this, I've just I've felt I feel weary with a lot of things. Can I get a witness here? Weary with a lot of things. Things are not normal, and that, that frustrates all of us because we're habits of creature. I don't like that feeling. I don't like that feeling. I get weary. I feel weary. And, and this is going to be a walk, and you're going to walk through desert areas. If you're coming from Egypt, it's, it's, it's going to be out in the desert. If you're coming from captivity, you're coming from captivity. It's going to be a struggle on the way back to Jerusalem. It's a walk. And you might feel weary. You might feel faint. Sometimes it might even feel like it's just monotony. It's the same thing over and over and over. Life can be a grind like that. I'm walking. What does it mean when we say walk in the Lord? It means that in the grind of life and everything else, it could be a distraction. Just keep walking. 
Just keep walking. <laughs> Amen. When, when difficulties come, just keep walking. Amen. This is one of the reasons why I shy away a little bit from sensationalism. Our church wasn't built on sensationalism. If you go back in the history of our church, Brother Terry was kind of adamant against any kind of sensationalism because during those days it was free Pentecost and everybody had all this stuff and it got really, really crazy. And so our church was established on, on good people, just good people, solid people, consistent people, living for God day to day, walking for the Lord. And they didn't get... No matter what came, they didn't, they didn't shift to the right. They didn't swerve in their faith, but they just walked in the Lord. Sometimes life is a grind and it seems like a monotony. Uh, but there is something that is greater that's going on than what might be seen. God is walking with you. Praise God. I, I may not see it. I may not understand it, but I'm going to keep walking for God. Amen. And there's sometimes you're in that precarious position because you don't know what's going on and you can't see what's What's going on? But you've made a determination that I'm just going to walk for the Lord. I don't. I don't have all the answers. <laughs> I wish I did. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the solutions. I wish I did. But I just know this: I'm going to keep walking for the Lord. It's a grind. It's a grind. But I'm going to keep walking. You don't just get from captivity straight to Jerusalem, or straight out of Egypt to the Promised Land, or straight out of your problem to a place of success. It takes time and it. It takes walking. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I'm going to keep walking in the Lord. I feel weary in my body. I feel weary in my mind. I feel weary in my emotions, but I'm just going to keep walking. My face is set forward to the redemption that God is calling me, and I'm going to renew the inward man. My spirit is going to be lifted up. I'm not going to base things on my flesh and carnality. I'm going to base things on my spirit and the Holy Ghost that is on the inside of me. This is what it means when you walk for the Lord. It means that you might be troubled on every side, yet you're not distressed. It means that you might be perplexed, but you're not in despair. It means that you might be persecuted, but you're not forsaken and you're not cast down and you're not destroyed. It means you might bear in your body the dying of the Lord Jesus, but it also means that Jesus is manifest in your body. I may not have a whole lot of things but I know I've got Jesus my health may be uh, it may be sketchy but I know I've got Jesus I may be sick I may have the flu but I know I've got Jesus I'm not distressed I'm not dead I'm walking walking in the monotony of life. Isaiah said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Those that wait eagerly, those that expect, those that hope, they're going to walk and not faint. And then he said, they're going to run and not be weary. Running means the exceptional demands of life. Most of life is a walk. We're journeying. Where are we journeying? Well, I took you from Egypt to the promised land. And now Isaiah, God is saying, I'm taking you from Babylonian captivity back to Jerusalem, to your homeland. It's a journey. Most of the journey is a walk. You're walking, you're walking, you're walking. And God is the God of the pedestrian. <laughs> He's the God of those that walk in the faith. But sometimes, due to the exceptional demands of life, they that wait upon the Lord shall run and not be weary. God will give a burst of spiritual energy. He'll give you a burst of spiritual energy that will give you the ability to run the good race. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you're not always going to be running. Most of the time, you're going to be walking. But there are some times when things are exceptional that causes you to run the race. 
a moment of time, God puts something in your spirit and you are able to run and not be weary. God gives a special burst of spiritual energy. In 2 Samuel chapter 22 and verse number 1 in one of the psalmist songs, he talks about this. David wrote a song and it was when he was running from Saul and God delivered him out of the hand of all of his enemies and he, he wrote this song. He said this in 2 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 through 4. He said, these are great lyrics, some of the best lyrics that will ever, ever be written. He said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my rock in whom I will trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation. He's my high tower and my refuge. My savior, he saveth me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. And then in verse number 30, he says this, for by thee, by God, have I run through a troop and by my God, I have leaped over a wall. Sometimes people in apostolic serv services run. And why are they running? Because there's a special burst of energy. Amen. And God just, boom, puts it in your spirit. And all of a sudden, it's not enough just to walk, but you feel like running. David said, I leaped over a wall and I ran through a troop because God gave me a spiritual burst of energy. You know what I'm praying for? I'm praying that people get a spiritual burst of energy to run and not faint. Yeah, but I've got all this stuff run on run on don't let that stuff get you down don't let that burden compress you so that you're depressed and you're not in the house of God when you could be in the house of God but the attitude of the world weighs me down so much that instead of praying like I usually pray, I'm just sitting back waiting for somebody else. Listen, it's time to run. You need a special burst of energy in the house of God. God knows that you're walking. He knows that you're walking, but he wants to put something in you that gives you the ability to run and not be weary. Praise God. Some people are not here because they're sick. I understand that. Some people are here because they want to be here. And then there's some people that are not here because they're using everything else as an excuse. God's going to be the judge of all of that. I'm just saying they that wait upon the Lord shall, shall renew their strength. They're going to walk and not faint. They're going to run and not be weary. How about Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one? Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us do what? Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm looking toward an example of one who ran to Calvary, who gave us an opportunity. Amen. He's the author and finisher of my faith. He's the one that I am looking to. Run during the exceptional demands of life. Run! Run like David. Run like Jesus as he set before him the course of Calvary. Run like Elijah. Amen. You know the story of Elijah? Elijah was a prophet, powerful prophet. Ahab became the king. Ahab married Jezebel. Jezebel was not an Israelite. And so she had a lot of idolatry and false worship, Baal worship. Ahab, in that allegiance with her, he joined together some things that really caused some major, major problems and upheaval in the worship of the Hebrews. And Elijah stood in the face of Ahab, and he said to Ahab, God, always when, when there are consequences to sin and the children of Israel in 
the Old Testament law, there was blessing and cursing, and there were a lot of cursings that started with a D, death, destruction, despair. One of them was famine. So God would always, he would, there, would, there would be things, not because he wanted to do it, not because it was intentional and he desired or got any pleasure out of that, but because he's trying to maintain the covenantal relationship that we made a covenant. You were going to serve no gods but me. Now you're serving idols and you're involved in idolatry. You've set up groves. You're worshiping all of this stuff. Our worship is no longer pure, but now it's syncretistic, meaning you're bringing false worship and true worship together, and that's confusing. And, and so Elijah was the prophet. The, the prophets in the Old Testament were covenant mediator enforcers. They didn't, they didn't have their own opinions. They didn't speak on their own. They were there to speak to nations and rulers and people. We made a covenant with God, and we need to stick to the terms of the agreement. And so sometimes when they were out of balance, the prophets would be the only ones that would stand between what the people were doing or the leadership was doing and the covenant of God. Very precarious position. As a matter of fact, in some cases, Jeremiah said, I wish I would not have even been born because everything I'm out here prophesying and saying and doing, people are mocking and laughing and, and, and who wants that job? And so Elijah finds himself in that position. Ahab has the controls of the power, the machinations of authority, and Elijah is trying to stand up for God. And so here he is. He's trying to stand up for God. And so he comes to Ahab and he says to Ahab, because of your actions, it's not going to rain until you see me again. And for three years, there was a famine in the land. I, Elijah was nowhere to be seen. When he finally does appear, there's a confrontation, and he calls the prophets of Baal out to Mount Carmel. And the story goes that there is a, there's a statement that Elijah makes. He says, how long are you going to halt between two opinions? You're going to live for God, or are you going to live for the prophets of Baal? And that statement is the same for even to us today. You're going to live for the world, yourself, are you going to live for God? How long are you going to halt between two opinions? And so there was a contest, and God answers by fire. Nothing is answered to the prophets of Baal. God answers by fire. Elijah waters down the sacrifices. It runs into the trough, and he, he prays just a simple prayer. The fire falls on the top of Mount Carmel, and there's a great victory there. And so Elijah is on the mountain after this, and King Ahab is uh, also in that vicinity because of this big uh, confrontation. And Elijah sends his servant on Mount Carmel. It's, it's a fascinating place. I've actually been there twice. It's up on the top of a mountain. You can look down into the Jezreel Valley on one side. But if you turn to the other side, if you turn to the west, and there's, there's not a, a fog or smog or it's clear, you can actually see the water. You can see the water of the sea. Uh, so he sends his servant. He, he starts praying, and he sends his servant. His servant goes and looks, comes back. No, I don't, I don't see anything. And he sends him seven times. Seven times, seven in Scripture is a number of perfection and completion. And seven, on the seventh time, he comes back, and he says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand rising up out of the sea. Elijah tells Ahab, hey, uh, you better get in your chariot and get back to the city because it is fixing to rain. So Ahab jumps in his chariot and snaps the whip and off they go, okay? And they're flying along when all of a sudden somebody goes flying by him running. It's the prophet Elijah. God put in him a, a, a spiritual burst of energy that the prophet running runs past the old cruel King Ahab in his chariot just to let him know, hey pal, you're not in control. Even riding behind a horse, there's a prophet of God that is running right on by you. I believe this is the position, should be the position of a church. Praise God, of a saint of God. Things should just be the way that they should be. But all of a sudden, God does something greater and he gives a spiritual burst of energy and power. You shouldn't be praising God. You shouldn't be magnifying God. That's not the way that you should be acting. But if the Holy Ghost is on the inside of me, I'm going to walk up and 
and I'm going to run. I'm not going to be faint. I'm not going to be weary, but God's going to put a revival in my heart and life. Praise God. It's going to rain, and it rained. Amen. Run like David. Run like Elijah. Run like Jesus. Come on, saints of God. Let's walk. What do you say? Let's walk. In the mundane monotony of life, let's just walk. I know you get up in the morning, you do this, you do that, you do that. It's a monotony. But if you're walking in the Lord, you can walk and not be weary. Not everybody can say that, but you can. Why? Because they that wait, those that expect and hope in God, they're going to receive something that everybody else doesn't receive. You receive the ability to walk and not faint and to run and not be weary. As the musicians come this morning, praise God, you can walk you can run, but he didn't just leave it there either. What did he say? He said, you can fly. They will mount up with wings as eagles. To me, that sounds like flying. They that wait upon the Lord means to eagerly wait, to expect, to hope, to look for with expectation. You can mount up with eagles' wings. It's a different strength. It's as if people become eagles. A strength that is brought about by transformation. It's a divine strength. Amen. As we stand together this morning, it's a strength like the Lord's own that does not weary or faint. Mm, I feel the goodness of God in this place here. I'm going to walk, I'm going to run. But God, you're going to give me the ability to fly. I'm going to be able to get above everything that I'm seeing in this life. And, and when I get up, I've got a greater vision and greater capacity to understand the world that is around me. I'm not just seeing trees. When I get up above the trees, I'm seeing the forest. Just like in the Exodus, just like taking you back from captivity, it's going to be difficult times when you're walking in the monotony. There's going to be times when you get special bursts of energy to run. Mm, but when it's all said and done, you're going to look back and you're going to say, God bore me up on eagle's wings. I didn't know how I was going to get through that. Come on, somebody. Help me with some faith here in the house of God for just a moment. I didn't know how I was going to get through that. It, it was a difficult. It's, it's trying. It's trying. I feel like I'm in the desert. I feel like I'm in the wilderness. I feel like I'm buffeted on every side. Mm, but when it's all said and done, you're going to look back and you say, the only way that that was even made possible is he bore me up with eagle's wings. He gave me the, he gave me the ability to fly. I have a witness in the house of God here today. You are where you are because God gave you some wings to get above. Gave you the, he gave you the ability to get above and do the miraculous. Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 9 gives to us the story of the great dragon, the old serpent, the devil, Satan, that deceived the whole world. And he heard a loud voice that said, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of God and the power of Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. And they, that's you and me, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto the death. There's this dragon and there's this picture of this dragon. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman that brought forth the man-child. The woman is representation of the Old Testament that then becomes the church. The man-child that comes to the woman in the wilderness and the church is, of course, Jesus. The illusion is very, very clear. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times, a half time from the face of the serpent. The serpent tried to flood. Out of his mouth, water came, and he tried to flood the woman. That didn't work. The earth helped the woman and 
opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood with the dragon had cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. A weird, obscure passage of scripture, but what John is seeing, he is seeing the woman's, the Old Testament, that births Jesus Christ, that fulfills and culminates the Old Testament, that produces a church. And the dragon and the serpent is upset and tries to flood the woman and kill her. But the earth opens its mouth and swallows up the waters. And God gives the woman, the church, and the people in the church two wings to rise above and say, yeah, 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 yeah. I know you're going to try to destroy me. I know you're going to try to kill me. But you can't get to me when I'm up above everything else. Because I've got the wings of the Holy Ghost. God has transformed me, Brother Casey. And he's made me an eagle. When difficulties come, I can... I can get up above that struggle. Praise God. Oh, the Holy Ghost is in this place here today. I said the Holy Ghost is in this place today. You need to lift your hands and lift your voice and say, God, I want you to renew my spirit. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their spirit. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall run and not faint. They shall. They shall fly. God is taking us from this world. So, so let me wrap it up right here. If God's taking us from Egypt to the promised land, and if God's taking us from Babylonian captivity, and he's bringing us back to Jerusalem, what is that, how does that work with us? Because it's a journey, and God's taking us somewhere. Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 14, I have given them thy word, and the world hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, even so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. God is taking, we're on a journey, ladies and gentlemen. God is taking us from this earthly experience to a heavenly experience. And it's not gonna happen overnight. There's gonna be some walking, there's gonna be some running, and there's gonna be some flying. But know this, God is with you, and God is gonna keep you, and God is going to renew you. Oh, I'm preaching today, what am I saying? I'm saying walk, I'm saying run, I'm saying fly, come on. I'm saying to the church, the dragon may try to destroy you, but walk and run and fly because the Holy Ghost inside of you has transformed you. It's given you wings to be able to fly. And as they begin to sing in the house of God today, lift up your voice and pray and say, God, renew me, strengthen me. Your promise to stand. God, renew me in your power and your experience and your presence.